feel like 50% of my conversations with my students is don't get stick and pokes. Don't do them yourselves. Don't do them yourselves. Don't have one of your art friends do them. It's a bad idea. Don't do home tattoos. Yeah. And they're pretty prevalent at Katie's. Oh, they're everywhere. Students with thighs that are just like, or legs that are just like covered in stick and pokes. My brother actually has one on his upper back that apparently it's our family crest, but I don't think we have a family crest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was his friend's. You do now. Friend's uncle, who like they just did it at his oh, friend's no. house while they were all drinking, and like I remember oh, as a kid no. thinking it was so cool, and now I look at it and it's just like the most awful thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host, Craig Biedemann. Uh, this is the podcast for DIY educators, punk disruptors, everyday educators, folks who are their, their authentic selves while they educate folks around the world and in their communities and through their music and through their um, work that they do and through their research, everything. I, this is the podcast for folks who want to hear conversations with folks who are doing cool work and staying true to themselves. And today is no exception. It is a tattooed professional panel that I facilitated at the ACPA convention in Houston, Texas, uh, back in March. So today's episode, you get to hear a bunch of perspectives from uh, five other folks than just me today, which is really great. And you get to hear a bunch of tattooed people talk about what it's like being tattooed in education, what it looks like for their perspectives on professionalism, and really the larger scope of what our field and what the field of education and what our generations are doing to change perspectives on professionalism, knowing that a lot of uh, opinions and uh, thoughts on tattoos have been changing over the years. They become more ubiquitous. Uh, I am very tattooed. If you have never seen pictures of me or met me in human form, I have a bunch of them. We talk to people on this podcast who have bunches of them and how it impacts their work or the perceptions of those tattoos impact their work. You're going to hear some pretty good trends that, hey, they don't really um, impact how well we do our job. 
which is not surprising, but it's great to hear from so many different people uh, with so many different perspectives and doing such different work in the world of education. So before we get to that, just want to thank folks who are listening and rating and reviewing and subscribing the pot to the podcast. It's really helpful when folks share, share the podcast. And if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast, p- please do. That'd be really cool. I'd really appreciate it just uh, to help us out in the algorithms of how podcasts are connected to folks just searching on the internet. Uh, This week, you're also getting to hear some tunes from the new Hidden Hospitals album, which is called Liars. It comes out this Friday through our friends at Spartan Records, who are always doing great stuff for the podcast and for supporters of the podcast as well. And yeah, you'll get to hear some of those tunes later on. And that's all I really got for this opening. Uh... Big thanks to the folks at ACPA for letting us use the audio from this uh, convention presentation. It was a live streamed presentation that happened. So folks who were uh, focusing in on this conversation at 730 in the morning on a Wednesday morning, were able to watch us have this conversation live. And so we got the audio from it and that's what we're using. Uh, some of the audio is not perfect. I, I promise you that it's going to come in and out a couple times. And sometimes a couple audience members ask questions. And so the audio might be a little bit uh, fuzzy there, but I tried to boost it up as much as I could and make it sound as solid as possible. And we also couldn't use all of the audio just for my agreement with ACPA so that folks who uh, paid to be there, you know, it's their incentive to pay to be there. But regardless, we got to share a bunch of this conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Um, I'm here with a panel of great professionals uh, that work in our field who are uh, tattooed to varying degrees to talk about our experiences as tattooed professionals. Uh, As you can tell, I have a couple. Uh, I like them a lot. They're a part of my life. They're a part of their lives. And we're, you're going to get to hear from them uh, more than me because people hear enough from me. So I'm going to let other voices be heard today. And so yeah, so this is uh, Tattoo Professionals connecting stories with students while challenging professionalism. I, uh, I have submitted this presentation many times uh, to many conferences and it finally got selected. So I'm very happy that ACPA accepted it this year. We are the early one, which is fine, because they picked someone who's a morning person to get you going. Okay, so who's on this panel? Uh, First, uh, hey, this is me. Uh, I'm Craig. Uh, uh, He, him pronouns. I'm a health and wellness promotion specialist. I work at UMass Boston. Uh, And my tattoo total, I don't know the number, but I have sat for 29 29 times. I have 83 hours. I have two sleeves. Uh, I have a chest piece, and my legs are also quite covered. Um, But uh, I've been in education for five years. And if you want any social media, at Craig Bittedman. Next. We've got Liv Parks. Hi, everybody. My name is Liv Parks. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. 
I'm the Assistant Director for LGBTQI Life and our Casey Potter Center at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know how many hours I've sat, but I have seven pieces and counting. Um, and this is my third academic year since graduate school as a professional. All right, Ryan, I didn't change your last name. Fine. My bad. Ryan Thomas is my social media name, but I'm Ryan Bunce. Um, I work in judicial affairs, so I'm a really fun guy to meet with at Manhattan <laughs> College. Um, I have eight pieces. I said I was going to stop here, but I'm already planning a giant like leg piece right now because whatever. Um, I've sat for 20 hours. I don't know how Craig's done 80 because 20 has been torture. It's spread out. Patrick. Uh, good morning. My name is Patrick Romero Aldaz. He and his pronouns. Um, I'm the Dean for Student Leadership and Transition Programs at Mount Ida College in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, Currently four pieces, I'm working on the continuation of this which will be half sleeve, or just over a half sleeve, I guess. Um, sitting around 19 years in the field, um, and my Twitter handle. Uh, Rasha. Hey everybody, um, my name is Rasha Cheek. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I'm a graduate student, second graduate student under Wally University's alum. I'm repping the great state of North Carolina, probably Greensboro. Um, so I have eight tattoos now. I'm so dedicated to tattoos. I got a tattoo when I came here on Friday. So yes. So um, and then I'm I'm dedicated into the field three years from now. All right. And now my favorite um, Lyft driver in the world, Katie Ham. Hello. I'm not a Lyft driver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a student activities coordinator at Lesley University. Did you count my tattoos? Because I don't feel like I gave you the number eight. <laughs> Anyway, I have this half-ish sleeve that I've been uh, too scared to get the soft part tattooed, uh, <laughs> so I'm working around it. But um, yeah, I'm in my fourth year. All right, so let's get into it. As you can hear, all of these people have varying levels of experience in our field, have varying identities, and are working at varying levels of uh, of experience and in different uh, realms of our field, which is something I was really trying to look for to make sure that we are covering a lot of different functional areas so that we can get a lot of different perspectives on the types of people that have tattoos and where they show up. So, first question. You know you'll never get a job with all those tattoos, right? Was that an initial uh, fear when getting tattooed? Or concern? I feel like, it's, I mean, I still hear it. Mm. And I feel like it's something that, for me, it, like, it was always, if someone doesn't want to hire me because I have tattoos, like, why would I actually want to work there? Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that, like, my mom will still constantly say, how are you going to get a job with that, like, with all those tattoos? Especially, like, this one I just finished a month ago, and it's the first one that you can't really cover up. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I work in New York City, and I feel like it's kind of really socially acceptable there. I don't know if any of you have ever, like, I feel like nobody's been really condescending with it in this field, which I don't know if anyone's experienced that. Um, so from my perspective, I used to work at an HBCU um, in housing, and you know, when it comes to like the HBCU perspective, you have older professionals that tend to be taboo-esque, uh, with the millennials getting tattoos, and I used to um, get looked down upon a little bit by some of my peers that were older than me. So I was the second one on staff, Everyone else is like 40, 50 and up. So there is like that respect factor that you can't cross the line with. 
in terms of, um, you know, like saying that, oh, your perspective is wrong and whatnot. So, but at the same time too, it's my bias, my choice, but I'm not dis disrespecting you in terms of like the tattoos that I have, so. I think for me, to be completely honest, um, most of my tattoos are in places you can't see. Mm -hmm. um, and this actually, what I think was a big move for me, it was, it's, this is only two years old. Um, and having been at that point in time in the field for 17 years and <laughs> in ascending levels of hierarchy in terms of profession, it was a huge consideration for me because um, I have aspirations to be a vice president or potentially even go into the presidency at, one point, at some point in time. And to think about, I think we have to acknowledge that even in higher education, um, upper administration tends to be very much um, around some privileged identities um, that make judgments and there's taboo and you know what have you. And so um, for me, this is a personal like family history honor piece. And so that is what ended up making my decision for me is when push comes to shove, I don't necessarily want to work for somebody who is going to hold that against me. Um, but it was a huge consideration and probably took me about three years to finally actually build up the courage to do that. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. You know what's great? Do you disclose your ink in the interview process? <laughs> yes! God, it feels good <laughs> when that Predicted happens. <laughs> thank you. What is your name? Did you know that? What is your name? Casey, thank you so much. Do you disclose your ink in the interview process? Go ahead, Patrick. I, I will say, <laughs> since getting this piece, I, I have. Um, I guess, not necessarily in the interview process, but in terms of putting it out there, um, I've worked at my, my current institution for five years, and um, I have talked about having tattoos before. I think it is one of the um, things I, when I'm interviewing somewhere, I talk about how I'm an authentic person and I, I live fully who I am regardless of, of where I am. And looking at this, um, I have extremely long arms and so I generally have to roll up my sleeves and so it's, it's going to be visible. Um, and so that it does come up and I, I think that, you know, again, I go back to this is who I am and I know that I'm a strong professional. And so I hope that that's who you're hiring, um, not necessarily what's on my body. Yeah. It's never come up explicitly and verbally about having tattoos and having youth, but um, I, body language is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I can notice when people are noticing without saying something. Mm -hmm. And usually from that, I can tell like probably what they're thinking. That's right. um, and so those are things that I make mental notes of and maybe even jot down. Um, and so it's never, I've never been asked about it, but that type of situation has happened. And also when I first got my tattoos, I made the intentional decision to put them in visible places. Would I do that again? I don't know, but I don't really have a choice to change that, right? <laughs> um, uh, so I, I love it. And even because my lowest one is coming like all the way down here. So even when my long sleeves come up a little bit, mm -hmm. it's immediate and they're bright colors. So, yep. um, I, lo I love that part of it. That's a very, sorry, that gaze is really important, I think, because mm -hmm. uh, I didn't actually start noticing it until I went below my elbow, yeah. and mm -hmm. people will like immediately look and be like, oh, you get a little bit self-conscious yeah. about it. Like, what well, do I do with my hands? Absolutely, mm -hmm. and that gaze coupled with some other gazes, like the elevator checkout, like trying to fit you into, in my perspective and in my personal life, 
a gendered box, like where it does listed in, and the answer is really nowhere. And I love that. So like the gazes coupled together is just, you know, it becomes multi-layered. <laughs> I will say too, like, so this is the first one that's explicitly you can see on an interview. Um, but you know, I've had this one, which is, I don't know if you can see it from there, but it's the Batman female characters as pinups. Um, so a lot of people are like, they want to know more about it. And it's, it's been like a big conversation piece. Like even since being in Houston, just like walking to CBS, I've had people just stopping me and being like, I really like that, like, can we talk about it? Mm -hmm. um, and like, I currently work at a Catholic school and like, it's LaSallian Catholic and it's very progressive mm -hmm. for a religious affiliated school. Um, and like the LaSallian brothers like always want to stop and talk about it. And, like, I don't get it. And then I explain it and like, I still don't get it, but I like it. Um, so it's been kind of like, it's been kind of cool to see like some of these more traditional people kind of opening up to it and being like, I kind of like that even though I don't understand it still, so. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because I have been explicitly asked about it. I have only one visible one. And in an interview, it was like the number two question I got asked. Oh. For something that... Yeah, that's wild. For something just like... Yeah, I mean, it's really small. It's just an outline. It was my current supervisor, actually, oh. um, who I think is well-intentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like W, <laughs> capital W, capital I, well-intentioned. And she wanted to know if it helped me relate to students. Nice. Mm -hmm. Which it does, because I can relate to students because I'm a human. <laughs> 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 but Nailed it. Her, her framing wasn't negative. I don't think it's automatically a negative question. Yeah. I think if you can, if you're able to spin it in a positive way, you can. <clears throat> but yeah, it was a little bit like, oh, okay, all yeah. right, we're starting there, but then. What an interesting way to ask, though. It really makes me wonder if it's just a coded, a coded way to ask. Mm -hmm. It was coded, mm -hmm. yeah. And knowing how I know her now, it was coded, and I. But it was good to some extent because I knew what I was getting myself into. Absolutely. So it wasn't. So I was like, am I comfortable with this? Yes or no? And I could proceed. So to some extent, I think it was very helpful for me. Right. My. First supervisor at the job I'm currently in uh, was more tattooed than me. So when I showed up to the interview and he had like full sleeves, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Which is great because that leads to the next question. All right, we're going to take our first break of the podcast so that I can share with you one of my favorite things in the whole world, which is vinyl records. And my friends over at Table Turned have a vinyl subscription program that can be perfect for you if you're looking to add some new records to your collection. If you go over to table-turned.com, you can subscribe for the post-hardcore genre or the shoegaze revival genre. You'll get a record every single month. One record a month from Table Turned from a bunch of record labels. They've already confirmed that in the post-hardcore genre, you're going to get something from Equal Vision. You're going to get something from Death Wish, two of my favorite record labels. And over in the Shoegaze Revival, you're going to get something from Polyvinyl. You're going to get something from Native Sound. 
We've had Native Sound shared on this podcast. They're great human beings. They're great people. So you know that Table Turned is working with some of the best in the industry right now. You have about 45 days. There's a ticker on their website, 45 days, as the time of uh, me recording this right now, where you can still subscribe, where you can still get yourself uh, one of those uh, record subscriptions. So sign up now. It's not, it's really inexpensive. $175 for the year gets you this. And I think you can also pay month to month. That's how much I pay. $15 a month to do this. It's super duper cheap. You get a record for $15 a month, no shipping, and they send you really cool stuff with it. So go support Table Turned. Uh, and if you want to listen to the conversation I had with their uh, owner, Dane Erbach, go back into the episodes and check out that conversation and support the, D- the DIY record subscription company, Table Turned, table-turned.com. Tell them Craig sent you. Now let's get back to this tattooed panel. We're going to dig into some other fun topics right now. Do you cover up your ink at work? Yeah, I mean, I would say working in judicial affairs, like students do a lot of nervous talking when they come into my office. Um, and I'm, I'm very much, I'm not your parent. Like, I'm here to have a real conversation with you. And I find that that's something they kind of latch on to, to just like, all right, like, I really like that, or like, can I, like, see it, can I talk about it? And I feel like it helps you kind of transition into a more natural dialogue versus, like, I don't like lecturing people, that's not what I'm there to do. Um, so, I mean, I've found it's actually kind of helped in the role, which is weird. I would say that, I think, similarly, I, I think going to your statements, I don't necessarily need this to relate to students, but students may relate to me more easily. And so I don't cover it up at work, um, and I actually... Like I said earlier, I talk pretty explicitly about like why I got it, and if people have questions, right. I do, you know, like um, because I think it is a form. It's a form of self-expression. It's a form of relation to, and connection to my legacy, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I'm very intentional, and I think all of us have different levels. And I had some conversations about this last night with some people. Some people just like I like that, and it's cool, but there's no meaning behind it. And to me, that is meaning. Like if you like it, and it's cool, and it represents you. That's that's amazing. Um, for me, there is there are hidden messages to every one of my tattoos, and so um, I think for me that's how I you know how I bring out who I am with people, um, and so all of them have stories, big stories behind them, um, and so I think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I so I work at an art school, so that it definitely helps me with our our student population because they are also pretty tattooed. Um, as I kind of mentioned, my previous supervisor that was heavily tattooed is gone, so now uh, I am really like the tattooed staff person. Um, and I feel like I'm getting pressure from the new leadership to cover up, but also they have problems using my pronouns, so I don't really care. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of... <laughs> Do, would they want me to? Probably. Am I going to do it? No. <laughs> Brian, were you going to ask a question? Yeah, it was kind of along the lines of what he was saying about um, like being explicitly asked to do it. Like, there's, the, there's the idea of being like, it's, it's you making the initiative to cover up your tattoos, but has that been something or a conversation that you've had with, with uh, your supervisors? It's been something with me 
where I've worn like short sleeve polos and people ask me to cover my tattoos. Um, and I've just done it because I'm a person that tends to just correct things that people will comment about. Um, yeah. Correct being a subjugated term, but I don't know if that's been yeah. a consideration for you all. I've not been explicitly asked, but there are the, the, the subtle statements, like, you know, you're a front-facing person for this institution, uh, mm -hmm. or those <laughs> types of things, and I'm like, well, that's great, but, you know, who I am. Super coded. Um, and so, I think you have to judge those things, for instance. I mean, if I am representing the institution and I'm going to be on, you know, the news or what have you, I generally would probably wear a suit and tie anyway, and so you're not going to see that, and it's not why I'm there. Um, but if I was to take off my suit jacket and roll up my sleeves, you're going to see that, and I'm not going to stop that. And the deeper conversation there, if we really wanted to get into it, which, well, is depending on the color of your skin, there are deeper implications, right? Because when you're being asked to cover your tattoos, you're also being asked to cover your skin. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we sort of framed that conversation in that moment, one, they would probably pee themselves because they'd be freaked out. Right? We know that. And two, it, it, it would probably shut down the conversation in a better way. And also, it's just an educational perspective and a conversation that needs to be had. So, just wanted to... I, like I think going off of that, uh, I'm very vocal on my campus, and I think they know better than to tell me that. Katie <laughs> <laughs> Ham, that's my best friend. One, one little thing to add to this, when I was in an interview um, process once, I was, I was told that a lot of people uh, that were potentially hiring me, they were like, oh, we're totally fine with you and having your tattoos. I think the students will love them, blah, blah, blah. But if the president were to come by, we'd like you to have at least a blazer or a jacket to throw on so that they just know that we, we, we keep up a good, a good look around here. And I was like, oh, then I, that's immediately when I turned down the job. It's like, I couldn't do that then. Like that, that would give me anxiety to be like, do I need, sorry, I need to go put this jacket on because I can't show my pretty flowers. <laughs>Jacqueline here from in between spins. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the edge of punks podcast. I'm just dropping by to tell you a little bit more about in between spins. It probably comes as no surprise that I love collecting vinyl. It's been a hobby and a huge obsession of mine for over a decade. And over the years, I've had the pleasure of meeting and connecting with other femme and non-binary vinyl collectors through social media and record fairs. However, this space is still heavily dominated by men. And this is why I created in between spins. Every week, I'll share pieces of my record collection, books I'm reading, art I'm enjoying, and whatever else I'm doing in between spinning records. In addition to the In Between Spins YouTube channel dedicated to femme and non-binary vinyl collectors, the first quarterly zine is available now to purchase with all proceeds going to Trinity Place Shelter, a homeless shelter in New York City for LGBTQ youth. This first zine is centered on feminism and how we navigate relationships with male figures in our lives. If you'd like to get involved with the channel or zine, feel free to reach out to me on social media or email hello at inbetweenspins.com. Talk to you all soon and enjoy the rest of this episode.
I think for me, it's really just about what we're looking for the tattoo mm-hmm. and where I want, you know, if I, if there's something that I want to have a little bit more hidden, then I would put it, you know, yeah. select a location or if I want it to be public. I mean, like I said, this took me a while to get here, but I chose, I was very intentional about it fits this place in my arm yeah. and I want to be able to see it and talk about it because that's also therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> I'm originally from rural Wisconsin which is a very different vibe from Boston. Uh, so when I started getting tattooed, uh, they were all hidden because I did not want my mom to find out. <laughs> um, but yeah, once I, I moved to a place where I felt more comfortable and I got a job, it's like, screw it. <laughs> Filling them up, but they're expensive. I don't really think about like placement when I get my tattoos. Um, I usually like am a spontaneous person when I go in there. Um, so usually for me, I know what I want, but the placement it just depends on where I feel like how it looks on my body. So, but also when it's appropriate um, when it comes to like representation and things like that. I also kind of feel like with age, I just stopped caring. Yeah. It was like, where I put this on my body doesn't affect the work I'm doing with dude. Like, it has no bearing on my job. Um, so, and that's, I mean, that's kind of always been my mentality. And like I said before, like, if you don't want me for a role because of these, then you're probably not going to like me in the role anyway. Because, like you said, I, I'm going to speak my mind about it, so. All right, now. We've gotten a little bit into why we have ink and whatnot. Now let's get into in the role a little bit more. How do students react to your ink? Do they react to your ink? Do you share the significance of your pieces with your students? Getting into a little bit of the personal. My students definitely react. Um, also, I just the relationships and the, the depth of our relationships with the students, um, especially with our queer and trans students that come through the center, they get really excited, I think, because they get to see themselves within the staff. And it's sweet because they also will come to you when they're thinking about getting a tattoo. And they know that they can trust you, I think, to have a reasonable response, right, and support them and make sure that they know, you know, are you going to a safe place? Do they have reviews? What kind of health codes do they have you know are these trustworthy people can we support them so it's fun and that's a process and it's just an an extra layer to your relationship and i i truly love that um and i definitely will share the significance of all the all of the pieces if they ask and not always if it's a stranger asking you and you're like oh i don't really want to get into it right now you know i just like it um that is kind of my go-to if i don't want to but Um, it's nice because then they'll go get something and then come back and they'll immediately want to show you like, Liv, look what I got. Do you like it? Do you like it? Is it good? You know, what, what should I do? And then you can coach them through the process of healing, um, afterwards. And it's just a beautiful relationship. Oh, wow. Actually, the most important conversation I've had with students around tattoos is the healing process. Not necessarily like where they get it done or whatnot. It's like, you want that to last and you want that to heal and you don't want it to scab. Here's how you take care of it. Yeah, and that healing, yeah, that's a foundation to a greater self-care, wellness, Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself conversation. And it's just an added layer to that. Well, kind of building on that, so... I, I, like, I still work closely with a, a staff of RAs and with this one, like my artist, I've kind of gotten really close with her, just having her doing pieces, and she normally hates 
you bringing anyone, but like with me, she's like, I trust that you're not gonna bring anyone that's gonna drive me insane. Um, so like for this one, I had a group of, not like a huge group, but like a couple RAs who were thinking about getting tattoos, just come with me and like watch me do one of the sessions on it. Um, just so they got like a better understanding of like what the whole process is like. Um, and it's kind of cool to have that conversation because like kind of guiding them towards like making sure you're going to a, a reputable place, like making sure that you're sure the person's using a new needle, like small things that you wouldn't think to look for. And like in New York City, like it's oversaturated with tattoo parlors. Um, so it's kind of been cool to like almost get to like mentor students. Yeah. Like if you're going to get one, this is kind of like a smart way to go about it. I feel like 50% of my conversations with my students is don't get stick and pokes. Don't do them yourselves. Don't do them yourselves. Don't have one of your art friends do them. It's a bad idea. Don't do a home tattoo. Yeah. And they're pretty prevalent at Katie's. Oh, they're everywhere. Students with thighs that are just like, or legs that are just like covered in stick and pokes. My brother actually has one on his upper back that. Apparently it's our family crest, but I don't think we have a family crest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was his friend's... Yeah. Yeah. You do now! <laughs> it, was, it was his friend's uncle, who like, they just did it at his oh, friend's no. house while they were all drinking. And like, I remember oh, as a kid no. thinking it was so cool, and now I look at it, and it's just like the most awful thing I think I've ever seen. Um, but I'm actually, I actually hooked him up with my artist in New York and he's gonna come down to do a cover up. So like, that's, that's been kind of cool. cool. Okay. So as a kid, like, I was, I could not understand why my mom was screaming at him so much about it. I was like, yeah. I don't know, it looks cool. And now as I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, I understand why that was a horrible idea. Mm -hmm. Are people familiar with what stick and pokes are? I'm just making sure that we are recognizing. Oh, okay. Good call. You want to see just a brief thing about it? Yeah, so sometimes it's used with like a sewing needle or um, I've seen like sharpened paper clips used. Mm -hmm. Just really anything that can dig into the skin a little bit with some ink, depending on the person's strength also. Um, then they are dipped into like pen ink or some folks actually get tattoo ink or whichever. Uh, and then they're poked into the skin one by one by one. So they're pretty, the line work isn't going to be very accurate often, uh, and they do not heal very easily or the same way that tattoos heal, and they have a higher risk for infection, um, which is, yeah, and yep. st staph infection yeah. can be quite dangerous. Yeah. So we always suggest people going to a clean, sterile environment to get tattooed. Anyone else have something to add to this? I think, I mean, like I, I've talked about students, I think we have conversations about them. I think though, for me though, it's been cool to have conversations with students who are like, I would never do that because in my field it wouldn't be acceptable. Right. Mm -hmm. And having the conversation around, well, when I started, I also thought the same thing. And you know, kind of my own evolution, my very first tattoo, it's kind of interesting for looking, looking back, I think was actually um, an exercise in, um, for me now, looking back, understanding my my male fragility at that point in time in my life because it literally happened when um, a woman I was dating at the time we were driving down the street I had had this design in my car for months um, and we passed a tattoo parlor and she said you're never going to do that and I was like of course I will she's like no you won't you're, you're like you're going to you're going you're gonna to wuss out and I was like and so I said so I bet her I was like if we go in there now and they can do this it's happening and 
She's like, I, you're not going to do it. And we walked in and I said, do you have time to do this? How long will it take? It was like an hour and a half or whatever. And so I did it in that, in that instant just to prove that I could. And um, it's not the reason you should get a tattoo, I think. But, <laughs> um, but it is kind of... Because then I imagine you had a little bit of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Between the next one. Um, and so it was very uh, interesting to be like, you know, where I came from and where I'm at and kind of help them through that conversation. Um, and just owning who you are. Wow, yeah. That's making me think about my mm -hmm. getting tattooed earlier. Man, I've been getting tattooed for 12 years now. So, yeah, that's interesting to think about. This is a conversation on professionalism. The next three are explicitly on this uh, ideal. Uh, what does professionalism mean to you? Do you get your job done? <laughs> like, I mean... That's really what it is for me, and I mean, like I said, I work at an institution, and as a, a senior leader at the institution, there are those coded comments of, you know, you, you represent us, and do those types of things, and I think for me, it's a res I find it my responsibility to challenge that notion. I think we talk about, you know, <clears throat> when we have admitted students day, you need to dress professionally. Well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I think people struggle with that, and they, they you know, they immediately go to kind of this colonized perspective of, you know, mm -hmm. suit and tie and, you know, what have you. And white. Yeah, white. Um, and I think that, you know, having, interrupting that and saying, do we pay our entry-level staff well enough no. to wear a suit and tie? Or if they don't, <laughs> does that mean that they're any less able to connect with our students and help them to be successful? Oh. Um, and so it is constantly, for me, a challenge of, understanding that people make judgments on an institution and as a you know as an orientation transition retention person I need to think about that right. but I also need people to know that we are people yeah. and mm -hmm. that we are going to honor and support and care for your students just as much regardless of, of how they present or how they you know interact with the world um, and so it's that fine balance for me um, so I think what it does well down to, and you know, is do we do our jobs? Do we help students to navigate the world, explore who they are, and end up realizing their goals? Well, I kind of get sick of at some institutions where it's like the whole looking the part is more important mm -hmm. than actually being a professional, mm -hmm. where people will dress the part and then act however they want, mm -hmm. and you know, like yep. that drives me mm -hmm. insane. And like I worked <laughs> with Brian at Union College, and I kind of one of the things I really appreciate working in residence life there as an entry level professional. Mm -hmm. Like our supervisor was very big on like, like you know, I took wearing t-shirts and things like Tupac. Um, but it was very much like you're living in the halls, like I you want that. students to be comfortable with you, like who cares how you're dressed? Mm -hmm. Like they're actually probably gonna feel more comfortable approaching someone who's not in a suit and tie because then it doesn't feel like they're talking to an administrator, it's like they're just talking to another person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's always been one of those things where it's just like, I've worked at institutions where people will act straight up crazy in the field, but because they're just dressed apart, it flies and like I feel like sometimes you focus more on that than on actually doing what's best for the students. So. Yeah. That makes me think about performative professionalism mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also the gender implications there um, around professionalism. Are you looking whatever this means female or feminine or male or masculine which mm -hmm. I you know those are concepts that I'd like to disrupt as well but um, I think that that just is tied into all of the things that we've been talking about as well. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. So I feel like as a professional field, um, you tend to ask yourself as a 
professional in this world, do you aspire to make change in students' lives um, every day? So, and I feel like it's so important, especially for all of us as student affairs professionals, to do our part when it comes to making sure that we're supporting our students regardless of what they're going through academically, professionally, or even emotionally or spiritually. Right. Mm -hmm. And having conversations with them about going into the workforce mm -hmm. and professionalism and how that will impact them for Absolutely. sure, and coaching them and mentoring, like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. This is kind of, do you mind if I like break from it? We're disrupting everything. Let's do it. No, just because I'm curious. It's 8 a.m. Like, I, I realize that even I'm kind of privileged in having them because I feel like tattoos are viewed as more of a masculine thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, does anyone in the room who identifies as female who has tattoos, like, do you feel like you've gotten kind of like a more condescending conversation from people only because, like, I've even heard from people around me, like, talking about mine? It's like, like I have relatives who are heavily inked. And it's like, oh, like I like it on you, but like Cassie's tattoos, like how's she gonna look in a wedding dress and like yeah. things like that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got some yes. people. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Great like, question. Me, I'm like, <laughs> Not worried. Yeah. 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 Give me goosebumps. Yes. <laughs> well, that's why yeah, I'm like, she's gonna look awesome. Like that's gonna be cool as hell. Yes. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm about to bring you some tunes from the new Hidden Hospitals album called Liars. It is out this Friday through Spartan Records. They have done so much for our, for our podcast and supporting the work that we do, and I support the work that they do. They put so many wonderful bands out there, get them exposure, and create some really cool vinyl uh, releases for those bands. It's really cool to have that type of physical music. I've already shared uh, the Table Turned uh, subscription service this week, so I'm, more, I'm just hyping up more vinyl for folks who are listening who want to, to get some more records. I'm just saying the variants for this New Hidden Hospitals album are super cool, just like our the, the recent Dearest album that we shared. They're making some really cool vinyl variants, so definitely go to SpartanRecords.com if you want to get a copy of this on vinyl or on CD or digital. Go to HiddenHospitals.BandCamp.com if you want to hear some more and if you want to hear it digitally, go to Spotify and everywhere you can get tunes this Friday. Here is Acid Rain from Hidden Hospitals. New album out this Friday. Here we go.
That was Acid Rain from Hidden Hospitals. The new album Liars is out this Friday through SpartanRecords.com. Go to SpartanRecords.com and check out with the promo code EDUPUNKS, E-D-U-P-U-N-X, and get yourself some vinyl records, some shirts, some CDs, some whatever. You'll get 20% off your order by supporting those great folks and some for supporting this podcast. Thank you so much, and let's finish off this tattoo panel right now. There's a lot of privilege involved, and I, one of the things that I do um, at a lot of talks when I'm talking about just being a professional and I'm recognizing my white passing privilege and my male privilege, and like, I can get away with this. But at the same time, in getting away with it, I'm trying to disrupt a lot of these norms so that other folks can recognize, like, we can break all this stuff down if we just <coughs> band together on it. Just in a little, that's why I get really, I get really hype when I see other people who are heavily tattooed at conferences where I'm just like, thank you. Like, you're making other people who are tattooed likely feel much more comfortable. Like, because yeah. like the first time I went to a conference having like a sleeve, I was really self conscious about it. And I like kept it, I like wore like rolled up sleeves where to where it was like kind of to this point. And I was like, I don't know. But then I saw someone else walk by, completely uncovered. I wore like a polo the next day. And I was like, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I apologize that this is, this is a tattoo panel. But I, I feel like there's an intersecting culture with yeah. piercings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, oh, yeah. Body mods in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a person, I've always wanted to be tattooed. And I have been tattooed. Um, I've always wanted to be pierced. I've only had one piercing, and I had long hair, so that I could cover it up when I was home. Mm. So um, now, it's the most I want thing I've ever heard. Desperately for a septum, like a big one. Mm -hmm. Oh, and like a big it, it's, one. It's, it's that I'm trying out, but has that been something for the panelists? Right. Has piercings been a consideration for mm. you all? Or if anyone here at all has had a conversation about piercings also? That's Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I want a septum so bad too. So bad. <laughs> so, bad. so and I just um, think that is like one of the best things in the world. So but you know, but you always get that like somewhat sometimes hesitation, like, okay, what do other people think? But who gives a shit what people think? You should just do it. So <laughs> I've had my nose people. ring since I was nineteen. Um and my family hated it. Uh, my mom, like, literally, when I showed up, she was like, why did you do that to your face? You're ugly now. Uh, <laughs> whatever. I don't care. Um, and not, not that it really has affected my professional life much because I've had it for so long, but I can definitely kind of, like, live with saying I can see when people are looking at it. Um, and luckily, at, like, at Leslie, I have such a... Tattooed, pierced, uh, queer, non-binary, trans campus that like I'm the reflection of them. Like yeah. you were, that is the best feeling to be like, hey, you're the person who's like me, and I can succeed now. Like that's, I get to be that person, which makes me feel good. But I know that in other places it might not be. I mean, I don't think I'd get rid of it. I know during my job search process, back to the interview. It was a question that I asked at some of my interviews, like, would it be okay for me to leave my nose ring in? And if they said no, I'm like, not working here. So how much do generational factors influence the perception of tattoos in the workplace, and how have you experienced that? I mean, Patrick, you've been around for a minute. 
So. Wow, that's some shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, How have you seen it evolve a little bit? No, I think it, it, it has evolved. I, I was just thinking here for a moment, talking, you know, as people were talking, looking back on my first ACPA or my first probably 10 ACPAs, I don't know that I saw visible tattoos. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I think it's a very interesting, and some would argue that higher education, in particular higher education and student affairs, tends to be more progressive. And so even, you know, I think as a field even, we are, we are probably behind the eight ball in some respects around kind of how we have acknowledged and welcomed people's self-expression. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's very real. I, what I'm interestingly noticing, though, is potentially even a shift on campus. I think there was a point in time, generationally, where you know we have our, our senior le leadership and management um, that probably have one perspective, and then it became more acceptable. And what I'm seeing now is with as Gen Z is coming into the fold, that there is such a connection to needing a, a approval from people. Mm -hmm in particular family, um, that our students are in some respects even rebelling around this type of self-expression because it may not be okay for others. Um, and I think for me that's where my work becomes even more critical around how do you examine where you are as a person and live your truth um, in connection with all of those expectations or that, that understanding of the world um, and your worldview, but being truthful to yourself. Um, and so I, th I think we're it's, for me, I'm seeing an interesting generational shift from more acceptance to probably a little bit more undercover. Um, and then how do I help to continue to, I think, challenge that for your own development? And if you make the decision that that's where you want to go, great. But it, if you want to do something different, be yourself as well. I think my experience in this is kind of related to um, the change in, in my supervisor. Uh, my previous supervisor, the tattooed one, was only a few years older than me, and now um, my new supervisor is around 60, um, and that has drastically changed the uh, environment that my office is. Um, so I want to add an extra layer to this, just as we're getting close to the very end. So essentially, how do you think the perception of tattoos is changing? Uh, is it are things getting a little bit more accepted? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like an interesting part of that is about how tattoo technology has changed in the last 10 or so years. Because yeah. uh, you have the ability to do a lot more detailed, like intricate, pretty things where like generations ago, those things weren't necessarily possible. Mm -hmm. um, so just tattoos look different now. Technology helped with that a little bit. I was just gonna say, I think it, it changes on the level of your title. Yeah. Maybe it's mm -hmm. different. And I think that's kind of what you were talking yeah. about too, Patrick. Like, I wanna be, you said you want, might wanna be a president someday. And so it's interesting because is it getting better for entry level positions, yet is it still mm -hmm. so, mm. is there so much dissonance mm -hmm. with presidential or even like dean, assistant dean levels? Yeah, and I, I think it is very much that way with a number of things. I mean, right. I remember when Donna Lee was doing her presidential um, address two years ago at ACPA and talked about how she had a, a supervisor um, address her about not having locks. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that there are lots of different ways that that permeates. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think 
there is very much kind of a level of you know expectation around yeah. some of those things. What I I find is going to be interesting is as what we see as um, newer professionals who are more comfortable with expressing themselves and being activists in, in nature and kind of interrupting all right. of those things. Mm -hmm. At some point in time, they're going to become the vice presidents. And um, I, I don't know yet how the field is going to, yeah. to to really rally around and support that because there are systems of oppression mm -hmm. that really hold that back in many respects. And higher education and student affairs is not immune from that. Um, and I will say it's a concern for me because I think there are going to be there is going to be a huge culture clash, and I think we're starting to see that in some respects, yeah. mm -hmm. and a rebellion against leadership and those types of things. And I think that that's healthy and good, um, but I don't know what the other side will be. Right. Yeah. We're getting really short on time, but um, we can definitely chat a little bit more. Um, this is just the last question, and it's honestly kind of silly, but it's also very very real. Why aren't you worried that all your ink's going to get saggy when you get older? <laughs> I think the I think the more mature you get, the more mature and defined your tattoos are. So, because I feel like with ink, it's like um, like a form of art, you know. So you know how like uh, like the great artists like Monet and Rembrandt and all of them like left their trademarks when it came to designing their art and stuff like that. That's just like us doing that with our art on our bodies. So. Yeah, and no one's promised. Um, getting older, no one's promised time. Mm -hmm. So I think if you if you live your life wondering, you know, in 40 years, am I going to be saggy? That's strange. Um, it's gonna hold you back from anything, and not just tattoos, but living your life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a Hallmark card, but I do mean it. Yeah. A punk Hallmark card, yeah. I like it. And I think if we are afforded that time, yeah. we're, all of us are not immune from becoming old and saggy anyway. Yeah. Like, and so, you know, I mean. Embrace it. My, uh, my best friend's mom, actually, she has a, she got a dancing bear. They're like a family of like kind of hippies, so. Yeah. Um, and she has a dancing bear on her chest. And like she said to me, like one time I was over, she's like, I didn't think about gravity. So she's like, one leg is now very much longer on the bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I mean, it's a conversation piece. Um, yeah. Yeah. Conversation. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, also, right. like, how badass would it be to be a grandparent with full sleeves? What's yeah. that? Said, how badass would it be to be a grandparent with uh -huh. full sleeves? Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't, we're not having kids. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. But, but a like, badass uncle with yeah. sleeves. Uncle Got it. Yep. God, mama, yeah, all of that. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've kind of, this whole thing has kind of been discussion time, which is great. We're actually out of time, but if anyone has any uh, extra things that we want to talk about a little bit more together outside of the live stream session, um, I'm more than happy to do so. So thank you so, so much for being here. We, 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 this is our first time doing this. This is our first day, but thank you so much for being great. Thank you. There it is. We did it. Another episode done. What a great panel. I'm, I, it was so great to get to revisit that uh, conversation with those five incredible professionals. I want to thank Patrick and Ryan and Rasha and uh, my best friend Katie Ham and Liv and everyone who came and, and listened to us talk at 7.30 in the morning to hear us talk about our tattoos and professionalism really in a conversation that 
hasn't really happened at a national conference on student affairs before. It's really cool that we had a really great turnout that early in the morning and at a conference that had a message and a mission and a theme of be bold. And I think that we chose one of the most bold topics that we could talk about, literally ink on skin. There's not much more bold than that. So really great that we got to share that audio. Thanks again to the folks at ACPA for letting us do so. And again, if you want some cool vinyl records, go to Table Turned uh, and get yourself a vinyl subscription, table-turned.com. Get it. Get some records. Get some records in your collections. Put them on your table, your turntable, and turn those tables. <laughs> uh, I tried real hard for that one. <laughs> Also, if you like the music that you heard during this episode from Hidden Hospitals, go to SpartanRecords.com or HiddenHospitals.Bandcamp.com and get yourself a vinyl record, a CD, or a digital copy right now. What are you waiting for? The, the, the songs were so great. So great and poppy and rocky at the same time. Get them now. Go! What are you waiting for? If you like what we do here, go to Edupunks Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or follow me at Craig Biddedman. I'll put information in the show notes on how you can connect with everyone else uh, that's in the episode. And yeah, that's all we've got until next week. I hope you all have a good uh, day, night, whenever you're listening to this. Regardless, let's get to work. <laughs>